بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ tonight is the 27th of October in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we've completed the third week the 21st night that we're going through the exalted and illustrious life of our beloved Buddha Sayyidah Khadija bint Khuwailid radiyallahu and I've reached the point where I've mentioned that the three years boycott has terminated and Sayyidah Khatija has fallen seriously ill on her return, radiyallah. It now became clear to our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa that his most beloved wife, radiyallah, did not now have much time left on the earth. So her illness took a turn for the worst. The Prophet was now expecting her to pass, radiyallah. Realizing that Sayyidah Khatija radiyallahu's end was now near, with tears in his eyes, he informed her of revelation he had recently received. In Tabarani, Abu Ya'la al-Haytami in Majma al-Zawaid 9-218 al-Bidaya and others. Sayyidina Abu Darda radiyallahu he said, when Khatija radiyallahu was in her last illness, Rasulullah entered upon her sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, O Khatija, radiyallahu, hard for me it is to say, but I have to inform you of the following. In paradise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already married me besides you to Maryam, daughter of Imran, Qulthum, sister of Musa, and Asiya, the wife of Fir'un. She thereupon asked, Has Allah the Almighty done this for you? Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, Are you showing signs of grief? Yes. She thereupon comforted him, just as she always did throughout her magnificent life, and said, May you then live in harmony and have many children. Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhanallah. So let's look at this. So how old was Khatija now upon her deathbed? So she's either 65 or she's 53 or 52, <laughs> depending upon what age she got married to the Prophet But of course, it was the boycott that was, you know, which made her, led to her death. So the Prophet look how difficult it must have been for him. Allah Ta'ala has informed him that he is going to marry, and the reason is but obvious, these were the greatest women. The greatest women deserve the greatest man. So one was Isa's mother, alayhi salatu wasalam, Maryam, radiyallahu The Prophet mentioned the sister of Musa, and I was interested. Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam, sister is mentioned in the Quran, in Surah Qasas, but her name is not mentioned. The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasalam, mentioned her name, Kultum. Kultum, the sister of Musa, Amana Mari making Musa the brother-in-law of the Prophet and Asya. So look at the greatness of Sayyidah Khatija radiyallahu She just wanted clarification. Has Allah the Almighty done this? In other words, 
you know, is, it wasn't you. Allah Ta'ala has given this to you. He goes, yes. Mm. And she said, just as you would expect her to say, may you live in a harmony and have many children. Ya Rasulullah, meaning Allah Ta'ala blessed me with many children from you. May they also be blessed with many children from you. Mm. In a similar report, in Ibn Asakir and Al-Bidayah, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas, anhuma, he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam entered upon Khatija radiyallahu whilst he was in her last illness and said, O Khatija radiyallahu, if you meet your fellow wives, give them my greetings. She asked in amazement, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, have you married before me? He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, no. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has married me to Maryam bint Imran, Asiya bint Muzahim and Kulthum, sister of Musa So here an addition is mentioned. Rasulullah told Khatija if you meet your fellow wife, me, your, my wives give them my salam. So this is a sunnah. When the righteous are passing you can actually ask them to give salam to someone you want them to give salam to. For instance when Jabal was passing a man approached him in Ibn Majah and he goes, Give my salam to Rasulullah. Yeah. So here the Prophet says to Khatija, Give my salam to your fellow wives, meaning the ones who I will marry. So she was again curious. She goes, Have you married before me, Ya Rasulullah? Because that's the only logical way to explain that. But the Prophet said, No. Allah has arranged the marriage for me with these three respected women. And now he mentions something else. Asiya's father, Muzahim. Asiya bint Muzahim. So he was given an honorable mention as well. And also, what did I mention earlier? In Abu Ya'la Hassan al-Bidayah, Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa I saw her beside the river in paradise, in a palace made of reeds where there was no noise or hardship. So Rasulullah was talking about the blessed mansion of the palace or which was promised to Khatija radiyallahu because it's next to a river in paradise. Khatija asked radiyallahu what is this palace of gold reeds ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said a hollow pearl between the palace of Maryam bint Imran and the palace of Asiya bint Muzahim who are also my wives. So Khatija is in the middle. Her palace is in the middle. Maryam is to the right or left and the opposite is Asiya. So they're all in the same location, i.e. in that heavenly abode. In another report, our beloved messenger also told his daughter Fatima radiallah, Jibreel has just informed me, alayhi salatu wasalam, Khatija is in paradise between Sara and Maryam. Khatija radiallah is in paradise between Sara and Maryam radiallah. So, our beloved mother Khatija radiyallahu will be situated in Jannatul Firdos between Maryam, Sara and Asiya's venerable palaces. Subhanallah radiyallahu ta'ala. So just to mention a little bit about Musa salam's sister Kulthum. So she is the mother of the believers. She marries the Prophet So what do we know about her? So the only thing mentioned about her in the Quran is that she was told by the, her mother, go and see what's happened to your brother. She had left her son, Musa, in a tabut, a casket. And he, it, it flowed down the liver Nile, and he goes, see what's happened. So 
this shows he must be very intelligent and very brave. Why? Because he, you can't make open investigations about young children, young because they were executed. <laughs> she found out that he was in the palace of Fir'aun. Now think about that. <clears throat> How brave must you be to enter the palace of Fir'aun? <laughs> so she, she enters, not much detail is given. And she's looking and her brother is refusing to suckle. Because <laughs> um, it was <laughs> amazing if you think about it. Who was looking after Musa? Ah, see. So now what's amazing? You got two mothers of the believers looking at each other. Kultu and Asi. You know, if you you know if you look with knowledge, you, you know everything suddenly is it's like a different way of looking at things. So Asia, our mother of the Yalanga, she's worried. She goes, look, he's not taking the milk. So Kultu, she goes, I know somebody who he will circle from. So then the report mentions in the tafsir, Fir'aun got alerted to this. He goes, how, what's happening? Find out how this... And then she goes, no. He goes, you know, there's a woman and uh, nobody refuses her. She seems to be like a woman that's blessed. <laughs> so what happened was, he goes, bring. So Musa Salatul mother came and immediately Musa Salatul Salatul took him up because he's his own mother, biological mother. Then Asiya said... You come and live in the palace and I will give you a wage for suckling my son. So Musa Islam's mother said, no, I'm not staying in the palace. He goes, if you want me to suckle, I'm going to suckle in my dwelling. So now we learn something about Musa Islam's mother. He was very pious. He goes, I don't want to stay in this palace. So Asiya goes, fine, because you stay in your own dwelling, I will send my son to you. So these are the few details we know about Kultu. So she must have been and certainly was a very pious woman because Rasulullah Mariza allowed it. But look how touching, even though this is 3,000 or 4,000 years ago, you're talking about two mothers of the believers. Now when you mention that incident, it'll never be the same now. You'll always be thinking, subhanAllah, two beloved wives of Rasulullah And who else was mentioned? Salah. Salah's palace is also there. Salah was not married to the Prophet because she was married to Ibrahim. So obviously this is kind of you know his grandfather's wife, for want of a better word. So he was a kind of a mother to the Prophet. But she's also very special. The Quran mentions that Salah actually saw the angels. And when the angels were talking to Ibrahim, they said, You will be blessed with a son. So she actually struck her hand on her head. She goes, How can a woman of my age have a son? And then the Quran mentions the angel said, Are you surprised over the decree? O Ahlul Bayt. He goes, This is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then they were given the glad tidings of a grandson. So she was blessed with Ishaq, the mother of a prophet, Sarah, and the grandmother of a prophet, Ishaq and Ya'aqub. So Sarah is also very special. She's also given another honor. In the Sahih hadith, it mentions that she with her illustrious husband, Ibrahim wasalam, are looking after all the deceased children of the believers. So all of the children that die before puberty, uh, this blessed couple are looking after them until they give them back on the day of judgment to their parents. So they're in good hands as they say. Uh, and why, question posed, we don't need to go into it, but why these two noble couple, 
And the scholars look into it and they say because they actually taught they never have any children. Uh, Ibrahim was very old when he had his first son, alayhi salatu wasalam, and Sarah didn't think she's going to have a child. So Allah not only blessed them with biological children, because they will, you'll be looking after all the believers' children. And what's touching is that they're not from our ummah. So if somebody says to you, so, mashallah, prophet of God, undoubtedly, but he's not from this ummah. He's looking after our children. Yes. So you have to clarify upon that. So Sarah at this moment is honorably looking after the children of the believers. So note, she's also been given a palace next to the Prophet So note again, Khatija is amongst them. You know, we hear these great names and you think Khatija is amongst them as well. Yeah, because she's also one of the elite. So now, how crushing must it have been for the Prophet So obviously when he married Khatija, she was healthy, she was the most wealthiest. In those three years, you can imagine what toll it took. If her daughter Fatima suffered, she she was 12 years old when she entered, 11 years old, and she became Bali after she left, and her health suffered. And she's in the prime of her youth. What do you think was going to happen to Khatija? So how much was Rasulullah being tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? She always kept keep this in mind. You know, Allah was always testing the Prophet Shortly thereafter, our beloved mother Sayyidah Khatija radiyallahu At-Tahira, the pure one, the unblemished, the vizier of truthfulness, the mistress of the women of the Quraysh, mother of eight of Rasulullah's children and three other companions, the grandmother of the leaders of the youths of paradise, the mother-in-law of the possessor of two lights, Uthman ibn Affan, the lion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ali and Abu al-As, the cousin of Waraka, the first believer, the first to perform wudu and salat with Rasulullah one of the four best women, one of the four women sufficient for you from the women of all nations, one of the four best women of paradise, one of the four leading women of paradise, one of the three perfect women, the one whom Allah the Almighty uniquely gave salam to, the one whose love was nurtured in the heart of Rasulullah by no other than Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself, the possessor of a magnificent palace in paradise and the constant source of comfort and shelter for our beloved messenger passed away to eternal glory. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with her and most assuredly he certainly is. Amen. So like I mentioned, she spent everything before the victory, well before. And that was the most excellent time to spend the wealth. Those who fought and spent before the victory are far greater than those who spent and fought after the victory. She not only spent before the victory, she spent before the hijrah. So what was what had she given for the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So with regards to the details, it is recorded. Sayyidah Khatija radiyallahu passed away in the month of Ramadan, in the 10th year of Nabuwat at the age of 65. She was buried at a place known as Hajun, and Rasulullah himself laid her in the grave. The funeral prayer had not been ordained at that time. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, Shaykh Shibli Nu'mani in his Seerat al-Nabi, volume 1, page 222 of the Old English Translation.
So now, interesting details. She passed away in Ramadan. So now, is there anything special about passing away in Ramadan? And the answer is certainly. All the gates of paradise are open. All the gates of hell are closed. So, what a foolish question to ask. <laughs> if somebody dies in that month, where is he going? <laughs> well, the gates are closed. <laughs> Can he go to hell? <laughs> the gates are open. So, it's a very auspicious sign. In fact, there's a hadith mentioning you will enter paradise if you pass away in Ramadan. Quite a few of the family members of our beloved Messenger passed away in Ramadan. Khatija was one of them. Don't forget, this is before Ramadan, the fasting came. Or well, this was before, but nevertheless, she's honored. Khatija passed away in Ramadan, radiyallahu Fatima passed away in Ramadan, radiyallahu Aisha, radiyallahu passed away in Ramadan. Ali, radiyallahu passed away in Ramadan. And other family members. So Allah Ta'ala chose them. So it's a very auspicious time to leave the world. But Khatija was the first family member. Allah Ta'ala set it off with Sayyidah Khatija, radiyallahu she was buried at a place known as Hajun. Now, this is just a, a mile or a, a mile or so out of Makkah. The graveyard is there now. And it's a very special place, obviously, because Khatija is buried there. But there's a graveyard there now. Uh, Rasulullah himself laid her in the grave. So think about that. Right? You know, he actually lowered Khatija into her blessed resting place. And there was no funeral prayer. Why? Because it wasn't ordained. Look how strange. There was no janazah prayer because there wasn't a janazah prayer at the time. Subhanallah, such was the end of the wealthiest woman of the Quraysh that it is recorded. When Sayyidah Khatija passed away, such was her destitution. They had no money to buy even a shroud. Hence, Rasulullah had to borrow money in order to bury the first person to embrace Islam and its support. This is recorded by Hafiz Ibn Al-Kathir uh, Ibn Kathir in Al-Bidayah 3-158-9. So think about that. She was shrouded, but the shroud was on loan. The Prophet had no money. So every penny she had, she'd spent it in the cause of Islam. So think about that. The wealthiest woman of the Quraysh. Mm. Now, the Prophet has to borrow loan money, loan, you know, to pay off the shroud. Mm. So, literally, she gave everything. Normally, it's a figure of speech. A person gave everything for the cause. But it doesn't mean that. It means that he gave a lot of his time and effort. But literally, Khatija gave everything. Right? She gave everything. You know, like you said, blood, sweat and tears. So, she literally gave everything. And the Prophet, Sallallahu had to borrow money for a shroud. Where is she buried? Abdullah ibn Abbas said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa visited Jannat al-Ma'la, graveyard in Makkah, where his dear wife Khatija lay buried. And he said, sallallahu alayhi wa what an excellent place is this graveyard. Subhanallah. What an excellent place is this graveyard. This is in Bukhari in his Tariq al-Kabir 1-284, Ahmed in his Musnad number 3293 or 1-367, Sahih. Tabrani in his Kabir 11-137, Bazar, Abdul Razak in his Al-Musannaf 3-579, Ibn Abi Hatim in his Ilal 2-270, Al-Haytami in Majma al-Zawai 3-297-8 stated strong. 
So Jannat al-Ma'la, that's where she's buried. It's actually called the garden. And what did the Prophet say about that place? What an excellent place. Now when he said that, what was he intending? He was encouraging others to be buried there. Now there's a huge graveyard there. So it's an excellent place. So obviously we should pay our respects and give salam to our beloved mother. It is not surprising now to note that other companions, Tabi'een, Tabatabi'een and Oliyai Krama are also buried there. So Khatija was probably the greatest to be buried there. But now other great souls are also buried there. Those undoubtedly, she gave everything. Now what's interesting? When Rasulullah migrated to Medina, in what year did Allah the Almighty open Makkah for him? When was Makkah given to Rasulullah without any skirmish? The keys were given to him after the Hijrah. Educated guess? Seventh or eighth. Okay. So around the seventh year after the Hijrah. So he's migrated to Medina. Now he's come back to Makkah. And we know the famous narrative. You know, he came, they all surrendered. He did his Umrah, his Tawaf, and then he forgave all the people and they embraced Islam. This fight is not often mentioned. First of all, how many days did he spend in Makkah before he returned? He spent 10 days, 10 days during the conquest. Where did he reside during those 10 days? So a person will naturally think, well, maybe in one of his old dwellings, maybe Khatija's dwelling, maybe, you know, or maybe one of his son-in-law's dwellings. He pitched tent next to Khatija's grave. SubhanAllah. He pitched tent next to her grave. That's where he stayed. So even in the conquest of Makkah, seven years after the Hijrah, ten, ye- ten years after Khadija had passed away, he didn't forget her. Mm. Think about that. The fact that he pitched ten, and normally when you pitch ten, it's just maybe for a few hours. It's not something, but he spent ten days there. Why? Because he wanted to be close to Khadija. So not all these beautiful things that people you know, fail to mention. So next time the conquest of Makkah is mentioned, you should think, where was he camped? He will still remember Khatija radiallahu Those undoubtedly our beloved mother was one of the priceless gifts that the Almighty gave to his final and most beloved messenger. How do we know? In Tirmidhi ibn Majah Ahmad al Mishkat, Sayyidina Thawban radiallahu said, when Rasulullah was asked, sallallahu alayhi wa what kind of wealth is best, ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa he said, the best of wealth is a remembering tongue, a grateful heart, and a believing wife who helps her husband in his iman. Subhanallah. Now, why now this context for this hadith? Allah Ta'ala revealed verses in Surah Tawbah which mentions that those who hoard their wealth, they're going to get some serious problems. So they were thinking, well, what's wealth then? So Umar approached, Umar radiallahu he goes, Ya Rasulullah, what is the best kind of wealth? Meaning, we thought it was dinars and dirhams. The Prophet said, the best wealth is three things. 
Your tongue is doing dhikr. Because that's one of the greatest wealth. Your heart is doing shukr. You're showing gratitude, thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what's the third thing? I just told you, you're sleeping. And a believing wife who helps her husband in his iman. So what are the three? So think about this. You could probably work out your tongue. Zikr is priceless. You see a person doing a lot of zikr, you get envious. You're thinking, why can't I do zikr like him? The response is, he's got the wealth. You haven't. You have every right to be envious. Ghibta, meaning I don't want him to lose it, but I would love to have that. The second is a grateful heart. You see people like this, always doing shukr. Even when they test it, Alhamdulillah, could it be worse? Alhamdulillah, I think. That's the second treasure. The third treasure is a believing wife who helps you in your iman. So, what did Rasulullah receive? Right? Hadith don't even relate it. The Prophet's telling you something, but who was he clearly referring to? Khatija. Allah gave me Khatija. She helped me from day one, literally, to the last breath of her life. The believing wife who helps her husband in his iman. And this is the problem. People think I'll get married and I'll get half of my faith so Allah. It's not as easy as that. She needs to be helping you in your iman. How can she help you when she doesn't know herself? This is why beauty is something, it's down the list. The Prophet was encouraging people to marry people of you know piety. But be honest, we do look at religiosity, but it's down the list. So, you know, without, it's, like an, it's like an elephant in the room. What do you look for? Beauty, that's number one. Second, my comb. Has to be my comb, right? Number two. Because where's Iman in all this? And then you go, oh, yeah, yeah, as long as she's praying. As long as she's praying. How she can help you? And then you go, after you get married, I feel like weak. I don't see a Muslim brother, right? Who did you marry? Oh, that stunner who didn't know left from right. And you see people like that, they waste, and then beauty is only skin deep. Beauty lost, then what happens? You're left with garbage. <laughs> That's not for you. I won't be, you know, too blunt or rude about it. But if you marry the pious woman, no matter how old she gets, she's still gonna help you. That's why you say, look, look for the righteous, look for the righteous. Now another thing which is important to highlight, righteous doesn't mean knowledge. I married half is. I seen half is in nightclub. Right? What's half is? Oh, this person doing ilm. Righteous is a person you know, you don't guess. You say, look, this person we've known, he's always in the masjid. He's grown up, we know him. These are the ones you give your daughters to. Not some guy on the other side of the world you don't even know. Well, he's half his door and his beard's coming out. Comes over, then what happens? Half his goes out of the window, beard comes off. The two things that you were looking for, they've gone. They call, you know, like expats, you know, they go expats. Ex-half is now and he's got a tattoo. I'm ex-half is, mashallah, proud of it. Such indeed was Sayyidah Khatija Allah, who undoubtedly is worthy of our beloved messenger's great glad tidings. What glad tidings? Our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu if a woman's husband is pleased with her when she dies, then she will enter paradise. If a woman's husband is pleased with her when she dies, she will enter paradise. 
This is in Tirmidhi, Hassan and Mishkat. So think about that. If somebody says to you, can you mention a woman, a believing woman, whose husband was you know, so pleased with her when she died, who's the first person you think of? Khadija. So she's a woman of paradise. Because Rasulullah was not only, he was over the moon with Khadija radiallahu Think about that. You know, he had so much love and veneration for her that he didn't have money. He knew the woman as long as he was with her. So that also indicates that a woman, she should focus upon that. What is her priority after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger? Her husband. Because if the husband is pleased, you're going to paradise. The Prophet promised that. And this also indicates it's an honor for the wife to die first. Why? Because you don't know if the husband dies. You know, he might die first. Was he really happy with me? He's bound to say he's happy when he's dying. Oh yeah, yeah I'm really, really pleased with you. But when a wife is dying, then a husband obviously, right? He's going to mention what's in his heart. So Lord, this is another honor. Which the, and also, the, another thing, we've actually got a bad deal. The men. The Prophet said in Abu Nu'im al-Hadith, if a woman literally does her five pillars, I'm paraphrasing, and fulfills the right of her husband, she can go to paradise whichever gate she wishes. That's a Sayyid Hadith in Abu Nu'im al-Hidiyah. Now, how, what does, people don't appreciate this Hadith. How do we get that? If somebody goes, look, I'm a bloke. I would like to have the honor of going to any gate of paradise I wish. Then you say, right, okay. You have to be like Abu Bakr. What? Right? Because if the Prophet said about Abu Bakr, Inshallah, I think you're one of them. Because one's for zikr, one gate is for salad, one gate is for jihad. You have to be superhuman to go through all the gates. A woman, all she needs to do, five pillars, which she has to do anyway. You don't even have to, that's part and parcel of life. The only thing she now has to do is please her husband, fulfill his rights. She's given the honor of Abu Bakr Siddiq. So if that's just a normal righteous belief, what about Khadija? Was honor given to her? So, and also, it's very interesting. People don't realize. Everybody thinks that women are going to bad deal. First of all, it's not a deal. Allah Ta'ala shares out the responsibilities. You know, if Allah Ta'ala made life difficult for us, who are we to complain? So really, we shouldn't be saying it's a deal, but we got to use these terms so people think. But women have got a far greater and easier deal than us. They need to do far less to get the great reward. We have to do far more. For instance, a woman prays at home, she gets more reward than Masjid and Nabi. Challenge that. But I only get 25 when I go to Masjid, 27. Well, look, mate. Can you challenge Masjid and Nabi? No, because you're not a woman. Next minute. My God, how am I going to challenge that? Go to Masjid and Nabi, buy a ticket. Right? Okay, what else? I've just told you, look after the husband. What if I look after the wife? Do I get the eight gates of paradise? No, you don't. Right? You have to be super duper to get the eight gates of paradise. Well, the women, what did they say? The women said, Ya Rasulullah, the men got all the rewards. They go on jihad, they spend money on us, they do this and that. What, what's left for us? The Prophet said, if you fulfill the rights of your husband, you will get the reward of Hajj, Umrah, Jihad, and other acts of worship. Hajj, Umrah, Jihad, just for looking after their husbands. What do we get for looking after our wives? One has the scholars. 
Women have been given immense honor. But Allah subhanahu but the tragedy of tragedies. Nobody's learning their deeds. So what do Muslim sisters say? How come we've got a bad deal? There you go, sister. Right? You know, I expect a non-Muslim to say that. Not you. Right? Of all the people, you're saying this. Look how weak we are as men. If a man makes a mistake as the imam, a woman can't correct him. She can only crap. Just to do that. Why? Because we can't bear to hear the woman's voice. It's tempting. Mm. Allah Ta'ala is telling you, you're weak. Women say, subhanAllah. You might think, oh, who's that? Saying, subhanAllah, correcting me. So they have to clap. That's how weak we are. The best row for the woman is the last row. Why? Because men are weak. If you see a woman in the front row, you might be distracted. Allah Ta'ala has honored the women. Right? So again, note all of this. We should know about Tragedy and tragedies. Well, you know, end of the day, you know, you'll get paradise, won't you? <laughs> you'll get paradise. What sort of a job is that? What about you know the deal that Allah has given to the females? So note, say the Khatija deserves all of this and much more. So all I mentioned today was her sad passing, i.e. to Janatul Firdos. And note, Rasulullah, he must have been truly devastated. And not forget, he's got eight children now who haven't got a mother. And the fact that he wasn't even thinking of marriage still shows how much you know in grief he was with regards to Khatija's loss of Are there any questions you like us? Subhanallah, <laughs> we